Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role like me in a given month over 70% of linkedin users don't visit other leading job sites so if you're not looking on linkedin you'll miss out on great candidates like sandra start hiring professionals like a professional post your free job on linkedin.com/achieve today I'm Sam Legasic and I'm Dreadful Dan Gallagher and we're two old buddies that have lived our life at the edge of the mainstream. So come join us where things are a little odd. This is the of yours will be reduced to a burned out cinder. Hi everybody, welcome to Oddcast, Movies, Music and Gaming. Here with me today is Dreadful Dan. Hello. Hello, how are you? Yes, very good. And how are you? Yeah, great. Uh, looking forward to... A little bit of a walk down memory lane here with a classic mini mm. album. Mm. What isn't? What's the difference? Is it not an EP? Is it not an album? What's a mini album? It's just a marketing piece of <laughs> shit, isn't it? Really. <laughs> um, but I do specifically remember this being discussed uh, at the time as being a mini album rather than an EP. Um, mm. EP, I always think of as like four songs, maybe even five. But when you get into mm. the realms of six and then seven That's and eight, tipping point. you got yourself a mini album there, my friend. Yourself a mini album, yeah. Fair enough. Well, this is it. We're going to be talking about, we're going to be getting up on our desks and shouting, <laughs> Captain, my captain, this is Idleworld's <laughs> first album, mini album, whatever it is, Captain. You and me have a very close relationship and also a close relationship with Idlewild. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> An open relationship. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 
take us back to the Idleworld days and especially like this kind of late 90s period, the turn of the century. What, what was going on? Wow. That is a lyric from a song, isn't it? Take it back to the beginning of the century. It's the <laughs> it's beginning true, yeah. of the century. <laughs> um, no, it's the end of the century. Yeah. Um, I first heard Idlewild on the radio on XFM. It was a film for the future. Mm. And I rushed out and I bought that on seven inch uh, vinyl. And mm-hmm. yeah, so then at that point, I mean, it was only a year removed from Captain coming out. Um, which at the time you know, felt like quite a long time. So when I got onto, uh, onto Captain, it was like, oh, this feels kind of a bit old and uh, kind of like indie and everything. Um, but that was just really cool. Like around that time, it was an exciting time for the band. Things were progressing really quickly. They'd only just released their first seven-inch single in 1997. Yeah. Um, and yeah, already they've you know got a load of singles under their belt, this mini-album. Uh, they're being played on the radio. And at that point, they were um, signed to Food Records, which was uh, distributed by Parlophone. So I think the same okay. label as Blur. Mm-hmm. And it was just a cool time. You know, we were the right age, I think, for that. Yes, for sure. And they were always gigging. Just one of those bands that's like always in the press, mm-hmm. always doing a show. And I think between 1998 to 2000, probably saw the band like play five times, five or six times or something. Mm. Definitely remember yeah. seeing them a few times with you. Um, yeah, but there was one year. For chandelier. <laughs> the yeah, that was never going never gonna to happen. <laughs> um, yeah, I had it in my head that I was like, if I shout loud enough, they'll do it. This was, um, yeah, I, I was always doing that. It's just really shitty when I think about it. Always just <laughs> shouting songs to players if they're like, gonna, if it's as if they're taking requests. Yeah. Um, yeah, just me being a dick, basically. Yeah, I think there was one year specifically <clears throat> after 100 Broken Windows um, album. Uh, so when they were doing all like the tour and all this stuff. And I think I, I saw them like it was something stupid, like every other week or something like that. Because I remember not only were they doing um, the tour, they did a lot of dates in London generally, but also they were filming stuff for like channel four and because like i i can't remember like i don't know if i was on a fan page and i remember there was a friend i went to school with who had some kind of in or something like that so i would go to these like recordings as well um i remember they did a few at the fly and all that um and they played like roseability about 20 times which kind of killed it killed that song a little bit for me um so yeah it was really weird because so i was just that i think they were that was definitely the band I saw the most in the shortest space of time, if that makes sense. Yeah, and probably just by that. Me. Yeah, by, by far. And I think if we're going like by sheer numerical value, they're probably the band. It was between them and maybe like Biffy Clyro, who I saw uh, have seen the most. Um, that's probably changed because that's I've been. I feel like I've been saying that for about. 15 years or something but um and that's probably changed by now with the amount of fans um seen yeah. since but definitely during that period it was Idlewild for sure and this was a very small window i think of time in the band's career um if you're listening to this and you've heard of Idlewild but you don't maybe know this uh release captain um this like yeah early version no of the band different to what they became and i think for mm. me um 
I really lost interest at certain points, basically. This feels almost like a different a different band. And I haven't kept up with them, actually, what they've been doing over the last sort of uh, 15 years, even 20 mm-hmm. years. Um, but I know, you know, I know they've changed. Um, but for me, this is what it was all about. And it was just such an exciting, exciting time because, you know, like, like we we're saying, like the singles coming out and then there's gig and like maybe at the gig they play a new song and you really feel like you're kind of uh, along for the ride. Yeah. You know, sure. we're like, what, I don't know, 16 or something. Yeah. And it's like, oh, there might be an album coming and you're hearing mm-hmm. songs getting previewed. And you're just there with the band and um, kind of like seeing them grow. And it's that feeling of like, they're my band. Um, yeah. So, yeah, there was Captain. After that, the album, um, Hope is Important. They followed that up with 100 Broken Windows. Mm-hmm. And for me, that is like the exciting yeah, the era. Yeah. Um, I find that's, that's one of my favorite albums of all time. Which one? 100, 100 Broken Windows. Yeah. yeah. So that like, came out 2000. And then I'm pretty sure I saw them, yeah, throughout 2000. I don't know if I saw them in 2001. 2002, they released the remote part, and mm. I've never even heard it. I heard a couple of singles, and it just killed my interest. Stone yeah, Cold Dead. Yeah, remote part. Like there's a there's a couple of songs. Um, I think I think Modern Way of Letting Go is maybe on that one, and I didn't mind that. But um, there was one. I should know it's something to do with like it's like around the world or something like that I can't remember oh she held the world in her arms or something like that it's called yeah you held the world in your arms and I remember and I want to say that that was actually the first single I might be making it up it was I think it's one that, right okay and I remember hearing that going like oh so they're just a radio friendly band now like they've 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 got boring like they've immediately gone right we need to like We've we've broke through indie. Now we're mainstream, and now we have to do these like polished, produced, still trying to be a bit rocky um, ballads or whatever. Yeah. It's just boring, and it was, and that, and it never really came back from that. Um, as you said, I've not listened to them for ages. I mean, they're old hat now, to be honest. Like Roddy went off and did his Roddy Wimbles, the singer, went off and did his own thing for a while. Some of that was slightly interesting, um, but. Yeah, I mean, they're doing stuff now, I still, I think, um, to this day, but um, they definitely split up for a while, and I'm pretty sure they reformed or whatever, but... Okay. Yeah, it was a, it was a real shame. But this, yeah, this, like, Captain era, um, I think the first... I think same as you, that um, I don't think I heard anything off Captain first. I think the first stuff I heard was off Hope is Important. I don't know what song it was or whatever. It was probably um, that clutch of singles... The singles leading up to the album was was spread over quite a long time, right? Yeah. So you had a film from the future. What else you have? Mm-hmm. I'm a message. Yeah. When I argue, um, I see shapes. Yeah. When I guess everyone says shapes. she's so fragile. Mm. And all that stuff was it was really up our street anyway. Um, yeah. But also, it was basically like this was the beginning. Well, not the beginning. I don't know, but like it felt very art rock. As in, absolutely. It, it was very um, lyrically. It was great. It and it still it still was. I don't know if it still is, but like so, Roddy Wimble. Everyone was saying was like the Morrissey of our time, which was you know the, the two thousand mark, uh, yeah. which I think was true. He took. Um, I really liked how he'd turn a phrase. How yeah. um, he took something like sometimes banal, um, uninteresting stuff, and was able to hook it. It was all about like the small minutia. And um, 
and it felt very much like you're just a bored teenager, which we were basically mm-hmm. um, on some bits and all about like, you know, unrequited love and like being, even though they're Scottish, like British, I guess, um, and all this stuff. So it was all quite, it was all, it was all really interesting. And then you've got the guitar work, which really excited me because it just felt, as I was saying, like it's very art rock in a sense of it's very like angular. Yeah. Um, it was very kind of um, abstract almost, yeah. but it had loads of energy. It was very vibrant. It was very punky in a weird punky way, but yet still quite poppy. Um, and it just had all these like elements to it where I was like, I haven't really heard anything properly like this before. Um and then, yeah, they were able yeah. to develop on that in 100 Broken Windows. But Captain, I feel like, is where it started. Absolutely. Um, obviously. And it's like, you know, it's noisy. It's very brash and bold. Um, it's very punky. It's like the, the most loud, noisy kind of part uh, of their body of work, I guess. Yeah. Um, but it still captures something. And it feels like experimental in a way as well, um, especially, um, you know, with some of the tracks on there. Um, but yeah, you can see how it was a strong, how it kind of set a tone basically for, especially for that. It's a lot of screaming, like there's more screaming in this probably than, um, the rest of the albums or whatever. Um, it's very inspired by, you know, that kind of post grunge kind of thing. Um, Yeah, that's it. And there were a lot of bands around this time. I think it was the first British band I really kind of got into that embraced Mm. that sound. Yeah. Um, but there was a whole clutch of them. I think Idlewild stood head and shoulders above a lot of the others from this sort of late 90s period. Yeah, for sure. Um, and almost all of them, it seems, in the early then 2000s, seem to fall foul of the same problem. Mm. You know, that you said it's suddenly, oh, we've decided to do this kind of like, we've decided to mature as songwriters and we're doing this bland sort of balladeering now that sounds nice on the radio. Yeah. Um, it was a real shame. There's a good quote uh, from 2007, Roddy Wimble. Um, He spoke about Captain. He said, I was singing in in an American accent. Yeah. That's how we found our feet. Uh, I was deeply into Tom Barman. Even though he's Belgian, he sang in an American accent. And I thought, if he could do it, so could I. But after the first album, I found another voice. My own voice. But that was a shit voice, Roddy. We didn't like it. <laughs> it <laughs> I like his Scottish bland. voice in the in the in Hope and all that. Um, I don't know if he like, just means his singing voice there, or if he means like his true voice as an artist. I don't know, um, but I mean, yeah, you can really hear the influence of you know Pixies, mm-hmm. Nirvana. Yeah, a lot of dynamics, uh, a lot of loud pavement. Quiet. You can hear that on mm-hmm. on Captain. And and then it starts to, I think it's there on Hundred Broken Windows still, but then it sort of, sort of starts to fall off. Well, that's it. That's what I didn't get is that especially with like because the main songwriter was uh, Rod Jones, I think his name is the guitarist. Yeah. Um, and he was doing some like really interesting stuff, and then that and it kind of dominated a lot of um, what was kind of going on with the song, just that juxtaposition of what he was playing and what Roddy was doing, and obviously like obviously there's. You know, the bass and drums or whatever, but I liked that dynamic between the two of them. And then it felt like, how do I put this? It felt like everything after that, it wasn't guitar dominated anymore. It was more like, mm. these are these are songs or whatever. I don't know. It just went, it went a bit tits up. But yeah, like the whole aesthetic as well, like, um, you know, you can kind of see it in Captain, I guess, like that kind of, because the cover for Captain is this like, 
Um, it's like a window being washed, essentially, like with greasy, dirty water or something. It's one, of those, right. it's one of those boring images you can think of, right? But I quite like it. It works because they've got that really cool logo. Yeah, um, exactly. Like scratchy kind of um, thing they've done. Um, but then after that, Hope is Important and 100 Broken Windows has that same aesthetic where it's like moody, arty photography, slightly blurred or whatever. I um, think it was all by Roddy as well. And that right, that this, this was yeah. all on like all the singles and everything. So I like that they had that aesthetic. Consistency. Consist- yeah. yeah. And it um, remind it does remind me of, and I, uh, I, I've, well, I am and I always have been but like a huge Smiths fan. And it kind of had that same thing. It was like these little snippets of life, especially the fact that they were, you know, um, it just, if, you know, the same way like Smiths, like Manchester is almost a like part of, Smiths. I felt like like Scotland and the Scottish, you know, yeah. uh, I wouldn't say Scottish culture, but like the kind of everyday life of Scotland um, is kind of represented in Idlewild's work, you know, and those covers where they're like, you know, they're kind of like in a countryside or on a beach yeah, and, you know, and all this stuff. Um, I liked yeah. it all. And I, I was I like, like I was really into that. And then it's, and it's it a bit very personal. <laughs> it's very pretentious, but I like a bit of pretentiousness. Like, same here, you know, same here. And it's like, especially like during this time, you've got like, like skater punk like whatever like all like shorts and like punky hair i'm a fucking yeah. idiot whatever and there was this like very serious like band and roddy like quoting oscar wilde or whatever and he's like yeah it's just like it's like the smiths you yeah. know this kind of like pretentiousness which i love they looked um, like um you know like literature students didn't they exactly yeah well that was which it was it was good. like yeah it was university uh art rock in its yeah. finest form um for the it was punk for the intelligentsia yeah that's nice yeah the thinking um, teenagers <laughs> i think um as well what i really like about this whether it's an ep or a mini album whatever i think it's just one of my favorites great ep mini album because it's just so complete and mm. all of these songs are great and they're all doing something a little bit different so in a way, it's kind of like the purest Idlewild statement that's out mm-hmm. there. Um, I remember there's a really good quote from King Buzzo from the Melvins, right. where he was saying, I love EPs. If it was down to me, I'd just do EPs. I wouldn't, I wouldn't do albums. But uh, the demands of the record industry dictate it because that's what consumers expect. Right. Um, and he's also said, I don't know, like when I go to a gig, I get bored after about 20, 30 minutes. I'd rather people just did 20 or 30 minute long sets. So he's obviously a person who like enjoys brevity in yeah. the uh, musical experience. Um, but I've always thought uh, there is something in that. Like, I quite like EPs. Yeah. Uh, it's a little just, taster. It doesn't mean you're not nailed down to something. You can try things out. And it's it's less, obviously it's more than a single and a B-side, which whatever, that's just like its own standalone thing. An EP, you're still, there's still some kind of concept behind it or some kind of like, you know, tone or something like that that's happening. Um, but it's not as drawn out or perhaps as worked on or as important as uh, people consider an album. You know, you can go in and, I don't know, like, yeah. Well, that's it. Well, an album, that pressure for it to be the length it is often ends, to, often ends in bloats and filler. That's true, yeah. Um, whereas, yeah, an EP, and even though people, that's it, perceive the album to be more important, um, the EP can be just as important. And yeah, the like, EPs where people really consider balancing the material, you know, 
representing all their different facets. I love it. And I really feel that that's what they did with Captain. Um, mm. Just such a great, taut, powerful little uh, 20 minutes of music. Exactly. Well, should we give it a listen then after all that? I would love to. Let's do it. Okay, cool. Let's do it. But Dan, what's the first track? Before we do that, a little update on the band at this point in time. Um, so in early 97, they released their debut 7-inch, which was Queen of the Troubled Teens. Yeah, it's a great song um, as well. Yeah, it's the only one of their early records that I don't have a copy of. Um, mm-hmm. I'd still kind of like to get one. It's still kind of collectible. Um, the B-sides were Faster and the original version of Self Healer. Right, I don't um, think I've heard Which those. is different to the one that we've got here on Captain. Um, mm. At this point, the bassist is a chap called Phil Scanlon. Okay. Um, he doesn't last long because, yeah, this came out in March of 97. Um, and later in 1997, the band released their second single on the uh, Fierce Panda label, which is like a really mm-hmm. cool cult kind of label. Mm. Um, they released Chandelier backed with I Want to Be a Writer, uh, so that came out December 97. It was recorded in October, and at this point, Bob Fairfowl is in the yeah, band as the bassist. Yeah. He was a big, iconic kind of focal point. Besides Roddy Woomble as the uh, vocalist, Bob Fairfowl, he brought a lot, I thought, of uh, like stage presence and charisma and stuff to the band. Yeah, um, he was also the guy that... He, he did, yeah. I think he, he left because he, he disagreed um, with the, uh, the new direction... So I think he was like one of the guys that was bringing the kind of more like indie rock okay. kind of uh, stuff. Yeah, aesthetic stuff. Yeah, he was always like out of all of them. I think I met him probably about uh, three times because he was always like he would always go into the basically into the um, audience to drink beer and watch yeah. the support bands. He wouldn't be like behind the stage or whatever. He'd be listening to everything. And I always remember thinking, oh, that's really like you know, cool, basically. Like, and he would get a little bit like harassed and he might move away or whatever. But um, yeah, I'd always say that's, it's cool just to be like, I'm just going to sit with the fans and watch these bands rather than, you know, and I, but then there's part of me that's thinking maybe he just doesn't get on with them. <laughs> <Inside. Yeah. laughs> Don't know. Um, but yeah, good old Bob. I'd often see him in the audience as well. Just other gigs that I went to. Yeah, the gigs. Yeah. So he was always around and about. Um, so yeah, that's what they'd released in 1997. Um, and then Captain, they released this on uh, Deceptive, uh, another quite iconic sort of London um, independent record uh, label. It was produced by Paul Tipler. Um, and so that was uh, recorded around the same time, October 97, around the same mm-hmm. time as Chandelier. Um, yeah, came out January 1998. Um, right. And sometime around then, not sure quite when, um, the track Satan Polaroid also came out as a seven-inch single uh, yeah. with the B-side House Alone, if you remember that one. Yeah, yeah, I do remember that one, yeah. Satan Polaroid, if I'm right, was did well-ish um, for like what it was, right? It I, feel was like it got, I feel like it got like, a lot of airplay. Yeah. Like, hmm. It was often considered as like one of the best songs in those early years, but we'll come yeah. to it when we, uh, when we listen to it, because now I think is the time to kick off with a bit of music. Mm. So here's the first song, Self Healer. A song is a beautiful eye, a song is a beautiful. Ah! 
Starts with that just noisy guitar, like that that scream, yeah. and then it's like like really like kind of almost like hardcore punk drumming, mm-hmm. like not sophisticated at all. Just dish 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 dish. It's surprisingly, yeah, it's surprisingly noisy and intense. This song, mm-hmm. even more than I kind of remembered. Yeah, it's definitely a, it's a great opener. Um, it does set the tone. Um, and as you said, it's just like, it's like a wall of like urgent noise or something. Yeah. But then what I really love about it is it's got this really, like, it's got a really pretty side to it. Um, yeah. And especially when it's like, you know, distortion goes off and it's all like triangular guitars and you're hearing it. And then, you know, and he's singing, you know, song is a beautiful lie and all that stuff. That line I always really liked, which is like, you know, which is true, basically, how, like, music and all this stuff and whatever and songs and stuff, um, the idea of, like, it's just a lie, really. Like, it's just yeah. painting a, um, a fantasy for a lot of people or whatever. That's what music kind of can do and lyrics and whatever. And, yeah, like, a song is a beautiful line saying it um, and then kind of going into then this, then going back into, like, the hardcore-ness. Yeah. And then it's got that nice little build towards the end. Um yeah, so it's just really interesting. Like, I think even if you didn't like it, you listen to it thinking it just draws you in because you're immediately like, where's this going? What is this doing? And then it's got these, like, nice, you know, nice little bits to it that are a bit more friendly on the ear and then goes yeah. into the the rocky, punky stuff. Um, so immediately, I remember when I first heard this, um, uh, well, I always used to call it an EP, but mini album, let's say, Um when I first heard this, I remember thinking, this is the, one of the best openers ever. I don't know if I'd still yeah. <laughs> feel like that. But um, it was just like, yeah, it's just immediately like, that was insane. And I loved it. What's next kind of thing. It's great how it's all over in under two minutes as well. Yeah. Um, it just goes for the jugular. And there's something about the production or the mixing. It's like really, ah, I don't know what the word is, kind of like bloodthirsty. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's like, yeah. And those screams. I always remember being like super excited by his like screaming. Mm. (laughs) I still kind of rate people on their scream, like how passionate and uh, how genuine and sincere they are as vocalists. Mm. They can summon up a good scream. Yeah. Like, okay, actually, I can connect with that emotionally. And yeah. yeah, And I thought, I thought he had it at this point. Yeah, that's what I always liked about Roddy. He's very, like, softly spoken when he talks. And when he sings as well, it's all, like, quite nice, softly spoken. I think he's got a really nice voice. But he also does have a really great scream that um, uh, that you can hear here. <laughs> um, but, you know, throughout those early days of Idlewild, yeah, he did, he did kind of do it. But, yeah, and that just kind of got lost. And that's part of it as well, right, is that it feels like there was some kind of, like, passion to it. And then that passion just kind of died and maybe he felt like he was too old to scream like yeah i'm done with it now or whatever um but it's nice just seeing like he's very skinny like you know oh i'm a i read books and i do whatever and then there's this like primal screamy side to him which um, i always enjoyed i thought yeah that's kind of that you know gives puts it to 11 kind of thing um 
Yeah, I enjoyed it. And they all looked so unassuming. And then they were exactly. just like, kick out a barrage of noise like this. It was brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Unashamedly. Um, yeah. Should we listen to the second track? Yeah. Something a little, uh, a little poppier. It's yeah. Annihilate Now. I remember like when I first heard this, um, I liked the idea that he was also saying, and now you're late now. Yeah. Well, he literally um, says that, doesn't he? At one point. And it's annihilate and now you're late now. Yeah. I don't know if he was just saying it differently, if you know what I mean. Wow. That's just blowing my mind because I'd never questioned that. <laughs> <laughs> I probably sung along to that like a thousand times. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, maybe it's an accent thing or something. Um, yeah, but uh, yeah, so this song, yeah, you go first. What do you reckon? Um, yeah, I love how after Self Healer, that that burst of raw power and energy, this uh, it's a bit more um, controlled. Um, yeah, a little bit more poppy, melodic. It's um, a little bit more of a like, mid-tempo song. I love these like warm sounding guitars and bass, just like thrumming along. It's got like, a really nice feel to it. Um, and I really like the kind of like melodies that we yeah. can hear, vocal, vocal harmony, sorry, yeah. um, on, the, on the choruses. Um, so yeah, just starting to present like a more poppy vision of what the band are doing. Um, but, you know, it's produced still, it's got the crunch and all that mm. kind of like indie rock sound behind it. It sounds a bit like pavementy, I think. Um, yeah, brilliant. Yeah. Love it. Yeah, it's definitely got that. Um, I would say this is like emblematic of that kind of guitar rock sound of this time. Yeah. Um, so, you, like, when you listen to it, if you look at bands like, uh, well, like Placebo, I guess, um, and then to a degree, this is kind of a bit like Biffy as well, where it's like that guitar sound is very much kind of 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 this kind of time. Um, Idlewild, I always do kind of enjoy the fact that like the twangly kind of, it doesn't even sound, it sounds, it doesn't even sound like it's going through an amp sometimes, you know what I mean? It's just like, as if they're just playing it, whatever. Um, I always kind of associate that with an Idlewild, it's like an Idlewild signature kind of thing. Okay. Um, these kind of twangly, I know it's like everyone's done it, but like these specifically like the tone is, as in literally the tone of the guitar is very high. Um, in some of these twangly bits, it doesn't sound, it doesn't sound like produced. It sounds a bit like rough and ready. It sounds like it shouldn't really sound like that. Mm. Um, and then it's got the nice kind of distortion crunch or whatever. And this is very emblematic. I've used that word twice um, in in this song of that sound. Um, yeah, it's got a nice hook, as you've said, like, um, and that's what, 
because it's weird as well. Like I always remember like a lot of my female friends liked Idlewild as well. Um, and I think part of it is due to the fact that some of these songs, like especially like Annihilate Now, do have these kind of very sweet, poppy, and as you said, like the vocal harmonies are nice. And that's a typical Idlewild vocal harmony as well. Yeah. Um, of just kind of going that octave higher at like, the end of a chorus or whatever. Um, and then, yeah, and and the same kind of thing, Idlewild would always like um, repeat a line or like have the same line, but change it differently, um, like t- tweak it a little bit within the yeah. song. Um, so all these things are kind of here. So this is why like this song is kind of like, it's a v- very much an Idlewild. You would not, you would listen, you could listen to this by someone else and think that sounds like Idlewild. Um uh, yeah. And that's why that's why I like it, um, and uh, yeah, and it's kind of got that nice little again. It's kind of all this like energy, rawness, and whatever screaming. Then it ends in this nice little, you know, um, you know, let's pretend we're at the end. There's only one room at the end, or whatever. Let's pretend we're at the end. It's kind of like nice little gently soothes off, and it's with his like kind of even though you're saying it's about American accent, or whatever. It's kind of got that nice. I don't know. Like I always have it. It's this nice Scottish kind of. You know, like it's a nice ending that I feel like um, it's. On, I don't know, like it's like almost like Scottish folk music or something like that. Yeah. I don't, which I'm kind of getting out of nowhere. But it's um, like a little lullaby ending. Exactly. Song. Yeah. It slows it's down, exactly I mean. and there's a sort of inversion, like a coda. Yeah. I never really thought until I read that quote. I never really heard that whole singing in American accent thing. Yeah, I always just had it in my head that because that's the thing when you sing in Scottish anyway, it does sound very American as it was. Funny enough, I know I keep talking about them, but Biffy Clyro went from sounding like American in that fact, like clearly American, and then afterwards um, he he just pushed his Scottish accent out more. I think for whatever to give it a more unique thing mm. or whatever um, to move away from trying to be like Nirvana and all that. Um, and I preferred it, like that kind of Scottish voice. It does add, add something to it, but they still like roll their R's and all this stuff. So it's, you know, it's not like, it's not too distant away, but it makes it a bit more interesting to listen to. And then you look at like people like the Twilight Sad, which is a very strong Scottish um, accent. I know we've talked about them before. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but it feels like, yeah, I always, I can hear the Scottishness in Idlewild. But yeah, it's a great song. So I'm kind of rambling there a little bit. I think you're right. This could be a good one to pull out if you want a song that's sort of indicative of, uh, yeah, early Idlewild. It's just got kind of a, a little bit of all the stuff that they were doing yeah. around this time. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, that's why it's a good one. Um, next up cool. is my favourite song from this mm. release. Yeah. It's the title track. It is Captain. Is it you're the captain? What? Or is it yeah. 
you're the captain of what? I always thought it was you're the captain of what, but he just kind of misses out the of. Yeah, I think I, that is what it is. So apparently the guy who produced this, uh, yeah. Paul Tipler, that was his nickname, yeah. the captain. Oh, okay. So I don't know if he like wrote these lyrics on the fly or something. Right. And it's kind of about him. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Um, I don't know what any of these songs are about, really. But I've always found that particularly interesting and that they used it as the title of the record. Uh, yeah, it's weird, isn't it? I suppose if, he's, if that's his nickname. Um, yeah, I don't know. That's weird, isn't it? Yeah, I don't know any of the stories behind these songs. It'd be good, actually, to um, find out. But, um, yeah, I like how this song's a bit messy, basically. Like, the yeah. vocals are all a bit, like, at one point, it's like a bit spoken word. It's like the harmonies are purposefully out of tune. Yeah. Um, again, like, the guitar's doing some you kind of got your very clean distortion, a bit of dirty distortion, and then you've got just got your normal um, clean uh, guitar bit. Um, yeah, it's it, it's one of those songs that kind of, and I love this, especially when I do, I'll do it, which like starts somewhere, builds, 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 crescendo, comes back down. And so you kind of go on a journey, but each little segment is like its own separate um, little yeah. bit. Yeah, um, yeah. And then it's got that nice little breakdown um, at the end, you know, you know, you live a lie, you don't try, whatever. Um, but yeah, I like the idea that it was like, I don't know, when I hear it, I always think it's someone, it's basically him singing about like, the. I don't know, like for me, I was thinking, is he singing about the fact that he's embarrassed by his lyrics, basically? I wish <laughs> yeah. these were not my words or whatever. And yeah. getting a bit meta about it. And I quite liked that idea of it um maybe because the yeah. song starts as well and I, I like this little little tiny thing about it um this is my ideas for captain so already yeah. he's using like weird pigeon english yeah um 
and then it's like a list of what seems like totally like disassociated things, like a girl in a flower dress, her face is a real mess, mm-hmm. and then I can't even. Some of it's illegible, but um, yeah, I can imagine he's kind of thinking like, oh, so and so, the captain, Paul Tipler, he said, come up with some lyrics for this song, Roddy. You've got an hour, and he's literally writing. These are my ideas for Captain. Uh, and there's just yeah. like random stuff that he's thinking of and then mm. going, wish these weren't my, my actual words, which is also yeah. a song that I've come up with. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I love this. I really, for the reasons that you've kind of already covered, mm. um, but it feels like the most deranged song here. Mm. It's kind of a bit, um, it's a bit tougher and a bit kind of like skulking, a bit yeah. fucked up in a way, like kind mm. of like lurch at the beginning yeah, and these weird kind of passages. You don't anticipate some of the places it goes. Yeah, those little out of tune, mm. kind of too high pitched harmonies. Yeah, brilliant, a beautiful mess. Yeah, it is. Yeah, and as you said, like those kind of opening, and this is again with the guitar. It's like it's doing stuff that's weird. Like this kind of opening guitar thing, it's already kind of putting you off a bit. Like it's already like oh, this isn't. It's a bit unsettling to begin with, and then yeah. you know. Um, and the idea of like, you know, if we take away the fact that the producer is called captain, it's like, you know, say what you're the captain of what, like there's a, like a rebellion there basically. Yeah. Like, you know, you know, fuck you basically. Like you don't fucking, you don't own me or whatever, dude. So there's that kind of teenage angst um, associated with it as well. Yeah. Um, I think. And uh yeah, I don't know. Like, you, sometimes you look at this and it's like, I don't know, what's I think? There's a, I can't remember if it's a book or a film or whatever, but like when people um, like call their father captain or something like that, um, some kind of daddy issues or whatever that's there. Um, yeah, I don't know. If there's like an anger there towards some kind of like, uh, you know, parental um, patriarchy or something like that. Um, and yeah, like living a lie, uh, you don't even try. I don't know. You're, you know, you're the captain of what? Like, you're not my fucking boss. But um, yeah, I've I got, think I've got nothing. But it's just a, a nose thumbing, isn't it? A nose thumbing yeah. at authority. I think later on, I haven't heard it, but I do think they did a song called El Capitan. Yeah, so something they yeah. revisited at some point. <laughs> yeah, true. Um, cool. Should we move on to the next one then? Okay. This next one, Dan, is about, well, what can I say? Because last night I dreamt somebody loved me. No, wait, last night I missed all the fireworks. See the fireworks last night? <laughs> no, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> did you, um, did you at least get to it's... see some of them? No. <laughs> I don't know what it is. I didn't even see a spark. Nary a spark. spark. What's he singing <laughs> about? But what, is, what are the fireworks? 
This is what yeah. I've always wondered about this. Is it, well, I mean, people, it could literally be like a song that he wrote when he was like 14 or something and he was just angry about missing the fireworks. But no, oh. there is a, it is a term that people use when it's like you've missed all the action. Oh, if really? it's like, uh, yeah, if it's like, yeah, people do use it. I mean, I don't know if it's a British thing, but if it's like, you know, everyone went out and then you went home and then suddenly a big fight kicked off or whatever... And you were like, oh, what happened when I left? I was like, oh, yeah, well, you missed all the fireworks. Right. Um, I can imagine this being a Glaswegian thing then. Yeah, so it's possible. Um, <laughs> but yeah, he's, um, yeah, I just like the idea that it's like, oh, I must be working. <laughs> was it must be working too hard. I've no idea. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> then it's That's like, the best part of the song, actually. Just yeah. raving. I've no idea. I've no idea. Yeah, yeah um, just like really annoyed the fact that it's like he's fucking clearly missed out. Um, and yeah, like back then, I it's weird like being young as well because obviously you're thinking work as in like homework or whatever. <laughs> like you're just yeah. missing out on shit because you're just like doing you're missing out on li- you're missing out on life. Like you're missing out on being a kid because you're doing all your fucking schoolwork or whatever. Yeah. Um, you know, and then yeah, like, I have no idea. Like stop talking to me about it. I have no idea. Um, yeah, I don't know if there's that behind it. Like as a song super fast it's nice and it's still very poppy um and you know like we've talked about ash before for instance and all this stuff um you know it's very like ash is obviously super poppy but then they don't have like the speed like this is this kind of like speed um punky urgency to them that we keep going on about um and this is very much there um and it's also got like you know he's screaming a little bit um and i like that whole like you know breakdown in the middle a dune, dune, whatever, and then straight back in. Um, yeah, all that stuff, and then uh, it kind of gets a bit like heavier and screamier and shoutier um, towards the end, a little bit darker, and then and then it ends. It's just so quick, and you've kind of gone through all that weird. Yeah, like it's it suddenly got poppy, it's a bit and then dark, and then you're like, "What the hell just happened?" Um, all in yeah. under ninety seconds. Mm. Yeah, exactly. This was a favourite, I think, at the time. I remember people really responding to it when they played it. Um, But when I look at it now, it's probably one of the less interesting songs here. As much as I like it, and I like that it it does this thing that not all the other songs do, Mm. which is like you say, it kind of comes in and kicks your your butt in an interesting way really quickly. I think it's got like a sing-along element to it as well. Like yeah, lyrics, lyrics yeah, are easy. Definitely. It's very fast, short. It's like, it's nice and jangly and it's just super fast. And people like that sometimes when it's like, when you're watching a band, like that's why it always works live, right? Because it's like, it's really sharp and it just kicks everything back into action in case you've yeah. you know, slowed down a little bit. So yeah, it's always a crowd pleaser, I think. Short, sharp, shock. Um, it's got a kind of punkabilly vibe to it. Especially like the yeah. way it starts, it's like kind of weird, kind of like country <laughs> kind of jangle. Yeah. Um, it's also kind of, it makes me think of like a They Might Be Giants song, just like super sped up. Okay. Um, yeah, I don't know They Might Be Giants like more than Birdcage in Your Soul, basically, that's pretty much all I know. And the theme tune for... Um, Malcolm in the Middle. Malcolm in the Middle. <laughs> that's basically not some of the best extent work. of my They Might Be Giants uh, <laughs> knowledge. Um yeah, it's a good one. I well, then um, we settle into something very different. Mm. Again, a tonal shift as we uh, take a look at a photograph. 
might say, yeah, Satan Satan. Polaroid. Oh, Satan, yeah. The sea is never calm, it always blows and does it too. But I'm alone, I'm alone, I'm alone in the Satan Polaroid. Yes! 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 I said it all, it seems kind of strange. I was drinking, I was getting deranged. I said it all, it seems kind of so before we talk about the music, what is a Satan Polaroid? Well, it's a good question. Like I um, remember thinking I liked how it takes something that um, is like this big evil, these huge things. And then when you think of a Polaroid, you think of something quite, you know, um, quirky and everyday or whatever. Mm. Um and all this, I quite like that juxtaposition of taking something to do with like, you know, morality or a character or whatever. And like, you know, something who does or doesn't exist or whatever. And then like, I've got like a photo of it, but like, not just a photo, like a Polaroid, which is usually associated with of the moment and like fun and all this, yeah. um, which I liked. And also it's like, you've got that thing where it's like, you know, that ancient, I think it's Japanese um, thing of like the photographs being like, your soul or whatever. Like if someone takes a photo of you, it sucks in your soul or whatever. Yeah. Um, I think that was quite cool, like associated with it. Um, I think it's yeah. interesting that he's alone in it. Yeah, like he exactly. Maybe expected to see something else there mm. and it's not there. Yeah. Well, I'm, that's well. the thing I was thinking like on that is that he's, he's had his like soul taken. It's like almost as if like he's in hell, like his soul's, yeah. his soul's in the Satan Polaroid. Um, and it's like, it sucked his soul into hell or something like that. Um, it all seems kind of strange. Yeah. I mean, classic, you've got like, I'm looking at the lyrics now, but it's like, you know, sea is never calm. It always blows and knows it too kind of thing. And I like the idea, obviously sea being like death and all that mm. as always. Um, and it's like, but the fact of saying like it always blows and knows it too, like it's this, it's this self-aware, like living thing, which it is. Um, but yet he's by himself because he's dead and his soul has been consumed or something like that. Um, and then it kind of goes into just like teenage stuff. <laughs> the drinker's got underaged. It really, it really feels like um, some classic like Scottish or Irish, yeah, lyrical poetry literature, like W. B. Yeats or something. Mm. It's kind of like reference to almost like folklore and sea shanties and, and all this yeah. kind of thing. I really like that about it. Yeah. I think that's kind of, you know, this points a way forward, I think, for him, particularly um, as a songwriter and artist. Uh, and this is kind of, I think of all the songs here, this is the one that, well, obviously it was highlighted as a single. It's probably the one they were most, most proud of and continue to play. Yeah. It often, got, it often got picked out for the acoustic treatment later on. Yeah, it did. Which again, yeah. was another another blight from the late nineties, early noughties, where everything was like, "Can we do an acoustic version of it?" Yeah. Um, but um, obviously, this one, you know, it suits that kind of treatment. What I like is that when it starts, and you think oh, this is this is a bit different. It sounds actually a bit more, con-, you know, this is this is conventional. Mm. 
but then you get these weird yelps. Yeah. <laughs> and you're like, okay, it's still a bit quirky. There's something more yeah. to this arrangement. Which are kind of signaling the signaling the chorus that's kind of coming up. Um, yeah. which is nice. Um yeah, it's also got um which I do I'd were prone to do, um vocals doing singing different things and doing different things from each other. Um, mm. you know, that when I argue I see shapes is probably the most obvious example of it, but they do this a bit yeah. here. Um, Muttering and mumbling. Yeah. Well, yeah, there's that as well, but yeah, just having that kind of layered, they're using the vocals as like a layer, um, to add like something that's a little bit, you know, different to it as well as everything else going on. Um, and yeah, it's like, and then it's got, you know, bad, 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 whatever, kind of like a nice sing along, like poppy nature as again as the kind of song breaks down. Um, and that's the thing with all these Idlewild songs, especially with Roddy, is that they're just nice to sing. They're quite easy to sing along to and they're quite nice. And the melody is, you know, it kind of yeah. fits. Even when it doesn't fit, it still feels like it fits. Um, mm. And it's like, you know, it's always like, you know, always it all seems kind of strange and it again got out of rage or whatever. When it's like he's kind of playing it's almost like his voice is like a piano over the top a little mm. bit. Um, it feels nice and it kind of goes up and down and it's, it's got a bit of range to it. It feels a bit different. It's not monotonous whatsoever. Um, and when it is, it's on purpose. Um, yeah, so yeah, there's was, like a kind of nice flow to it always with, with his melodies. I, I was going to say, yeah, as a general point, I was going to say that earlier and I forgot that he always comes up with an interesting melody over the top of the music. Definitely. But, yeah. You, you, it's not obvious, mm. and they could, you know, an, a, a weaker singer would just follow the uh, guitar probably a bit more closely. Yeah, but he'll do something really interesting, and then he'll do something else for another part, and then yeah. lots of unexpected kind of bits and pieces here that are always really interesting, and yeah, just make it all all that more satisfying. Yeah, and those little yelps. I mean, like those little yelps, and as you said, everything you've just said there. Morrissey that's what Morrissey would do that's true yeah. that was like you know he would do he just went off on one like completely <laughs> not following what Johnny Marr was doing for the most part and he would do these weird little noises and weird things with his voice and stuff that just made it interesting that's exactly what Roddy Wimble does and so you know that kind of feeds into the whole like the Morrissey of the you know late 90s um, oh man we haven't, we haven't done a Roddy Smiths Wimble. episode uh, I was thinking of um, saying, should we do one today? But um, <laughs> Idlewild took over. We'll definitely um, do some Smiths or something. Yeah. But yeah, Satan Polaroid, it's quite a, yeah, it's a, it's a nice, it's a nice, good radio-friendly song that I think, um, you know, kind of showed that they're not just like punky and fast or whatever. It's like they can do something interesting and different. And they've yeah. already kind of shown it on this album with something like, you know, Annihilate Now, but this is the very, very much like a, this is your like, you know, your big um, standout kind of pop uh, mainstream track, I guess, um, I would think. Totally. And I think this is what kind of then broke them through to the next phase, which is obviously recording for food. Yeah. Uh, not not the um, thing that you eat. They're not, they're not, they weren't that poor at this point. We'll mm. record for food. Um, yeah. I mean, food the label. So um, yeah. next, that's it. We're, we're almost at the end. I know. I should say as well, so before we go into it, but like, 
especially with this song as well, like there's that element of, and I know we always bang on about this, what I do anyway, of like melancholia. Again, it's always like sad, like he's alone. I don't care about anything. It's that classic, like depressed, like tortured artist thing, which always kind of, I always love, you know, rolling around in, in terms of that. Um, <laughs> and that's what, and then it's that juxtaposition against what is quite a poppy, happy nature of the song as well. Um, yeah, which is another like Idleworld staple. A lot of bands obviously do it, but Idleworld do it really well as well. Sorry. So now, <laughs> <laughs> we move to the final song. Wrap up with the, I mean, you could almost call it an epic at nearly six minutes long. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But Idleworld. Yeah. You just have to be who you are. choice you just have to be it that's it mm. and that is a very positive powerful message that Idlewild are bringing here um <laughs> I bloody love this song and just listening to it now I've forgotten how much I loved it and how influential I think it's been actually on on me because mm. I love uh, like ending an album or like a live set or anything on this kind of song kind of like starts off kind of a bit ominous and slow and plodding and then builds up to like rocking and then falling apart and being a bit of a squall. Mm. Like I think every band I've ever been in, we've had like a song like this to like end a record or end a live set. Um, absolutely. Yeah. And I feel like they're channeling quite a lot of like, yeah, maybe Nirvana, but or maybe not Nirvana specifically, but that kind of thing. Mm. Got a really great distorted guitar. Um, again, some like more interesting cryptic lyrics. And then it's like this nice, like two minutes almost of this song is this just sort of like ambient twinkling at the end and the fade out and this weird little muttered kind of lyrics. Like it sounds like an injured animal creeping off. Um, yeah, really great. I, I, again, it's like another side to the band on here. It's like the big, it's like Velvet Underground meets. Uh, Nirvana's Endless Nameless. <laughs> yeah. And they tried to repeat it again on the next album. They ended this uh, album with a track called uh, Low Light. Mm. I thought, I always thought, sounds like a poor man's, you just have to be who you are. Oh, I like Low Light. I like it, but I'm like, they've kind of really done it. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it feels very much like a sales song. <laughs> sales being the band that means totally. they're in. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and you can hear it. Um, I didn't really like it when I first heard it because I was always just a bit like I always felt like funny enough that it was like quite pretentious and a bit like oh it's like and now I'm gonna have to sit here through six minutes of like like noise that's being done for effect rather than anything else 
Um, but yeah, I do still find this kind of stuff interesting because it's more like um, it kind of shifts you into like a more darker place and it's doing that on purpose. And especially like, as you said, like the long trail of like, you know, noise and like, yeah, but playing above the, uh, um, the, the nut or whatever, um, or behind the bridge on the guitars, it makes that little like twinkling sounds that you were talking about and, um, and all that. And just that slow kind of fade out. Um, yeah, it's just like, it just makes you feel like you've been through something like an experience of some sort. Um, which is good. I mean, like, I don't, I guess like for me, weirdly, the kind of actual melody bit of like the, you just have to be who you are, whatever. Yeah. I actually find not that great. Um, as opposed to like kind of the rest of it. Um, Interesting. If that makes sense. Mm. Um, it feels like, I don't know. I don't know. Um, I just, I'm just not shame. as in love with it. It's a shame because I get such a kick out of when that hits. I'm like, yes. yes. I think as well, it's like the lyric, I know I've just been praising how great it is, but like, you just have to be who you are. Like, yeah, as if like it's this, I think that also doesn't sit right with me as in it's like a very like cheap, like teenage empowerment or something like that. And I'm just like, oh, could you not think yeah. of something better? Like, especially like all the stuff around it where it's yeah. like, who are my friends or whatever. Um, uh and all this, it's like, okay, yeah, you know, you know, nothing's important or whatever it is. Um, I like, I like all that stuff, but it's like, you know, you just have to be who you are. It's like, feels like a bit, I don't know. A bit cliched. Like yeah, exactly. That's not the wrong way. I yeah. feel like it's like, it's a weird thing. I can see that. I didn't think about it at the time. So yeah. it always worked for me. Um, but I can, I can definitely see, see that. Um, I always loved the title actually though. I mean, aside from, what we just said. Yeah, it's sounding... But I always used to look at that and I just think, like, there's no... Like, as a title, again, like, stuff I'd liked up until this point is all, like, quite in-your-face titles. Mm. And I'm like, there's nothing really here in in this... <laughs> you just have to be who you are. It's, like, a really unsexy song title. Yeah, well, that's, what, that's kind of what I'm saying, right? It's like... And also, it's, like, six big... Or whatever it is, you just have to be who you are. Whatever that is, eight um, shouty words. It's like that could have been, uh, you know, anything. And like all the stuff around it is very like it feels very dark and evil. Um, yeah, and yeah. all this, it's like it's horrible and it's messy and it ends on this like dark, depressing kind of like weird tone where it's just like you've just zoned out or something bad has happened and now it's like you're in the aftermath. Um, but the big screaming section is, you just have to be who you are. And I'm just like, ugh. Like, don't know. That's just me. Some of the other lyrics I do I do like at the beginning. Um, there's all this stuff about, I go down the stairwell, I stare at the girl. Yeah. It sounds like M.R. James or something. Yeah. And I've always pictured in my head this song taking place in like a dank basement. Yeah. Maybe there's like a, you know, like a naked night, um, light naked bulb night. hanging down. Yeah. Night of the Realm. And it's just like swinging and it's all a bit dark and dank. And yeah. They're creeping around. Someone's licking a wet wall. Mm. Um, licking yeah. a wet wall? Yeah, licking a wet wall. <laughs> Never seen that. Um, yeah, and it's yeah, there's something a, a bit... There's something in a bit, the corner. Yeah, and it's something a bit like sexual about it. Um, uh, yeah, France is only 16. Sexual. What's all that about? But yeah. she's sewn up. 
or is it sold out? Sold out is quite boring. I always like to imagine it's uh, she's sewn up. I imagine it's sewn up when I think back to it. That's quite a. I, I think that's quite a cool lyric and imagery. Yeah. Someone um, at the age of sixteen already closed off and. Yeah, well, I thought if it was like a horror movie element or whatever, um, like Texas Chainsaw, I don't know. Um, oh, literally her orifices have been sewn up. Something like that. You would go um, there, you disgusting. <laughs> exactly. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Um, maybe it's another term that I'm not aware of. If someone's sewn up, well, it might mean something. Um, yeah, uh, so it's I, I'm okay with it. I'm not 100% in love with it um, in terms of a final song, but overall, great EP slash mini album. Yeah, I, I do think, again, like the last minute where it's all just like slow and creeping to the end, it feels very epic and cathartic as an end yeah. to the whole EP. It really feels like you've just kind of like crawled away from a big bruising battle. What is that? And you compare it to the how it started. Yeah. urgent straight in like if you've got that on like rotate or whatever um then <laughs> yeah it's like back. you've got yeah exactly and then you're just like put through the put through the mill again um and it's a complete antithesis of how it started which is what i like about it i think that i think that's on purpose um you know any final yeah. thoughts on the whole uh record no it's good i mean i wish they'd do something like this again i mean maybe they have i don't know i've not listened to it but um yeah, for me, um, I still think it stands up. I still really enjoy it. It is very much of its time. You can hear that in the production and the way it was, you know, put together and et cetera, yeah. et cetera. Um, but yeah, it's a good, like, nostalgic piece. And it's, you know, it's such a great entry into what was to come, you know, in the next couple of albums. Um, and yeah, you totally. can see that. You can see that progress. Um, and what's great is that, you know, this kind of like raw idol world is still like it's still listenable and still you're still you can still go back to that and have fun with it um uh which is you know you can't really say that about a lot of bands early stuff you know um yeah yeah so it's good yeah i think it's great i think if if you don't know idle wild and you're not interested in, in that whole thing um, then you can still just go back and listen to this if you're like into yeah post-punk alternative rock of the 90s um, and I, cause I don't think this band probably ever really made it in the States. So if you're listening, um, um yeah, they did a hundred broken windows did all right in the States. Okay. I believe, but that was, but I think that was it. I don't think, um, I mean, maybe, um, remote part might've done all right. Um, in, you know, but I don't think, yeah, I don't think they ever break through, but I do specifically remember that they really pushed a hundred broken windows in America. So I did think it got a bit of traction. Um, but yeah, just that album, I think. Well, if you haven't heard them, yeah, and you're into that whole kind of thing, that sounds, and you know, like labels like Matador, Domino, Drag City, all of that kind of thing, uh, then you're going to really, I think, love this, love this record. I think this is the best place to start checking the band out. Yeah. Um, so go and dig it out, and it is on Spotify. So yeah. And you've got a great excuses. journey. Yeah. Great journey ahead of you with that. Um, it's also. Uh, back in November, a few months ago, 2020, uh, been reissued on vinyl. So let's go to Nerd's Corner and take a look at it. Nerd, 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 nerd. 
it came out originally in the UK only on compact disc. I've still got my original copy. Yeah. I'm sure you have, Sam. I don't think I ever... I must have had it, but um, I think I might have taped it off someone. I don't think I ever got it on CD. Wow, okay. I don't it think. It takes off me. Yeah. Um, well, it has been released now on vinyl, um, and I couldn't believe it because I'm on Discogs, and it has a little tracker thing at the side, and it's like, new releases. And I was like, whoa, Captain came out on vinyl. I'll definitely get a copy of that. But uh, so, I was too late, too yeah. far too late. Because um, obviously a lot of people, you know, this never coming out vinyl before, jumped on it. Yeah. I don't know how many copies there were, but it was limited. Um, yeah. If you want to buy it now, there's only two copies on Discogs. Uh, one's £99 and the other guy wants 200 quid for his copy. Which <laughs> is just insane. Um, but I think it's great that it's it's had a vinyl um, release and there's a lot of good comments here about it. I think it's uh, cut at 45 RPM. Okay. So they've gone for quality there. And it just looks like a really nice, nice package. They've managed to somehow, I think, source all the original artwork and stuff there's a bit more here actually in terms of like photography on the inner sleeve than, okay. uh, than on the cd so that's quite cool what is it um just more of the contemporary stuff i suppose that roddy wimble was doing at the time okay um because that uh cd packaging was very as we discussed earlier very kind of sparse yeah like cryptic and enigmatic um but maybe not all that exciting mm. um so, I mean, that's it really, just to say that that is out there. If you've got a couple hundred quid to throw around, <laughs> yeah. you can pick that up. Um, yeah, it's a shame it wasn't more extensive. I'd love to get a copy. Mm. Um, digging around as well, I didn't realise it was released uh, in Japan as well at the same time. Okay. Back in 1998 on CD. And this is quite cool. I'd actually like to um, get hold of a copy of this. Because Japanese CDs are quite fun to have anyway because of the Obi strip. Yeah. Um, but it's got a different cover. They've used the artwork from the Satan Polaroid single. Um, so it's this kind of like shaky, ghostly image of someone in front of someone. Oh, I remember it, like, yeah. Like some foliage. Yeah. Um, but what's really exciting, for me anyway, <laughs> right. is that they've added on um, all the songs from the Queen of the Troubled Teens 7-inch Okay. Because um, I've got those on MP3, but they're like a vinyl rip. So I'm quite yeah. excited at the prospects of someone having actually mastered the these for CD release. Yeah. yeah. Um, so you've got Queen of the Trouble Teens, Faster, the first version of Self Healer. Um, and then you have got House Alone as well, the B-side to yeah. uh, St. Polaroid. So nice little package. Yeah, it's nice, actually. That's a good shout. Uh, good all that's missing are the um, two songs, uh, Chandelier and uh, I Want to Be a Writer. Yeah, shame, because I like chandelier, as we've established. <laughs> chandelier! <laughs> we don't do that sort of thing anymore, young man. Yes. We're going to play our latest song. You held the world in your <laughs> arms tonight. <laughs> our mature approach to songwriting. Yes. Uh, um, so, yeah, that's all that we've got there in the old nerd's corner, but, uh, yeah, nice little, little nugget there. Yeah, it is nice. Um, well, I think let's call it a day there. That was a um, nice little look back at Idlewild. And I think, yeah. yeah, it'd be good for us to go through. I definitely want to go through 
Hundred Broken Windows, and maybe we go through a later Idlewild track uh, wow. uh, album um, uh, fresh and see, you know, we and see what we what we think because I think we do obviously choose stuff that we like to do, but um, I think it, you know, it's a lot of. Uh, there's a lot of good juicy stuff if, and stuff that we hate, which we probably will, yeah. let's be honest. Um, cool. Well, I guess that's it, actually. So um, that's it for this week. Thanks for listening. Go out and listen to Idlewild. Uh, Dan, anything you want to say? No, just check it out. Get on the captain. Exactly. Get on captain. Uh, captain, my captain. That's it from us. Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs>